might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you can remember I said with the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. And you're going to have to keep on saying that. You're going to have to say that I am a proletarian. I am the people. I'm not the pig. You've got to make a distinction. And the people are going to have to attack the pig. The people are going to have to stand up against the pig. That's what the pastors are doing. That's what the pastors are doing all over the world. All right. Welcome to another episode of Revolutionary Tracks. And now we are transitioning with uh, Matt and David from Left Reckoning to talk about a left counterculture. Um, but to start off, I wanted to play a little example as, as, as Karthik and I were setting up at uh, something that reminded me of the Bernie campaign and um, their touch on you know a left culture. Let me thank Saka Mommy for the music. Uh, let me thank the uh, Rat Boys for their music. Let me thank Sunflower Bean. Let me thank Twiddle. Let me thank uh, Sparta for their music. Let me thank the uh, Lucy uh, Dacus Band for their music. Uh, let me thank Pet Cemetery for their music. Let me thank the Kitty Cat Fan Club for their music. Let me thank the Joyce Manor Bands. Let me thank Las Cafeteras Bands. Let me thank Jack Johnson. Let me thank Nathaniel Radliff and the Night Sweats. Let me thank Soul Deep DJ. Let me thank Anna Birch for the music. Proto Motor for their band. Let me thank the Venomous Pinks. Let me thank Laura Jane Grass of Against Me. Let me thank Dickie for their music. Let me thank the Austin Bands for Bernie. Let me thank Molly Birch. Let me thank the Black Angels. Let me thank Cafe Fuego for their music. Anna Chicho for her singing. I want to thank that great band, Lizzie, for their music. And we are so proud to have one of the great bands in America with us tonight, Vampire Weekend. I love that music. I don't know why, but I do. All right. So that is something that we, me and Carthy can uh, like talk about a lot and uh, think about is the aspect of merging you know the political movement and having a culture that drives it um or at least helps you know that supplements it um so i guess yeah the question is um can we have a left culture that is you know essentially a counterculture to you know u.s hegemony so yeah are you, are you guys here Matt and david oh Okay. Oh, I can hear you, but you're coming in really low. Yep. I had no idea. Campaigns. I mean, right? Yeah. It, it does make me. And I see them, the mm-hmm. given that's a wrong team to give an example, but a different bass, uh, NFTs or crypto. Um, it's like, oh, we're having, we're, you know, folks. I think it is just like, it's like you don't want to count. That's how I. Uh, I mean, I, I think that I'm coming in, right? Yep, yep. Um, I'm hoping not. I'm assuming. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, I, I agree with Matt in the sense that, like, 
I, I think that it's good to build up our own places and, and culture where people are able to engage and, you know, left wing uh, ideas. Um, but I do, I, I do hesitate um, only because I don't want things to become a subculture, I guess. And I mean, we'll, I think we have music stuff we'll play later, but like, you know, I'm here in, in Austin and Austin's always had a very vibrant music scene. And one of the things that I really like, you know, I, surprise everybody i like country music and i go to hockey talks a lot but like um you know there's a lot of really great bands here and all across the country that are sort of breaking out hegemony um in music which is really really damaging um and it's not just damaging today it's been damaging since like willie nelson you know had to leave nashville to basically become willie nelson right because they were trying to control him prevent him from you know saying he likes to smoke pot or he's against war and things like that and like building up the capacity for artists to be able to create, I think is, is very socially useful of just like for society at large, but certainly for the left um, because there certainly is a, a push to try to, you know, water down art and, and creativity um, to make it the most sanitized and have the most mass appeal, um, which I think is, is really dangerous uh, for art in general. So I definitely agree with like the concept of like recognizing that this is a very important fight and space for, for the left in general. Uh, to be involved in. I think both of you uh, touched on something which is, uh, which are, in, you know, uni- uniquely uh, a, a problem in this respect. Uh, David, you touched on the fact that uh, you don't want it to become a subculture. And uh, Matt, uh, you spoke about how, uh, I think, I think this was actually, uh, we're carrying over from the, from the Twitch show where uh, the, the concept of like accountability, uh, where, we were talking about uh, political candidates uh, and how uh, you need to have, especially if you're running socialist candidates, then you need to have a um, uh, an organization that can actually hold them accountable when when uh, when the time comes. Uh, in the case of uh, especially connecting art to a political movement, uh, in a paradigm where you know where especially uh, art is art for its own sake, etc., uh, we don't consider. Uh, art to be anything other than the expression of what the art, artist wants to express. In that case, like you really cannot uh, expect anything of the artist from a, from a political um, uh, side. So how would you, uh, in, the, in this case, like I guess like the working problem that we're, Marcus and I worked through in the show is how do you both square with, uh, you know, art separate from the artist as well as um, artists um, need to actively engage, especially if you're a socialist artist, especially if you want to contribute to the movement, you need to actively engage with the, with the, uh, with the movement. Uh, but on the other hand, also need to make sure that it remains a, uh, a culture that is not uh, collapsing into its own little bubble. Back in the, like a lot of those guys were coming to the nation, like what are, what is in it, right? Like what, or is there like distracting components? And I I don't know Jackson Pollock. Um, so like I I I I totally agree with you, Matt, on this. It just in the sense with music, most specifically, like like there's a lot of music that I like that is like quite radical and, and working class and has powerful messages. But I think that like it also has to start from like a place of wanting to create art in general too, right? Like. People send me like, oh, David, you're going to love like this country band and they'll send me something. And it's just like a guy singing slogans and like the music's bad. <laughs> and I'm not really that interested in uh, in, in listening to that. Um, but I am interested in listening to things that like 
you know, do have a political message that I agree with and, you know, maybe can help reorient, you know, listeners who are maybe just listening to them because they like the music in general than anything that like sets out with the soul and explicit process that like the politics comes first and the art comes second. I think that that, that's something that um, I think we need to be careful about uh, uh, trying to avoid uh, when it comes to music and I mean, art in general too was like i was um rage against like like i i was i was into those bands like like mm-hmm. looking at their pedal like that but then you know you make a point and like that is like, preachy or something like that well well structurally i mean how do y'all feel about um like the, the actual work of, of building a, a counterculture is it just you know creating a, a space to support or is you or is there an idea that there should be a kind of connection between artists and and a movement that's a little bit deeper than just sort of like oh we're on the left as a band or whatever yeah and that's i guess that's something that we kind of try and interrogate and like in some of the you know the interviews with the artists that we do um and you know like ranging from you know someone like napoleon the legend you know who's been on uh, like the michael brooks show and 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 uh, uh Naomi's show as well he's been on this is Re- he's been on this is revolution he's been on uh on uh, revolutionary tracks and 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 our show, um, and then I was like also someone like Mariah Parker who uh, is a county commissioner, which like city council in Athens, Georgia, um, and also hip hop artist and all these things. And like it's for us, is yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a yes and, um, mm-hmm. but I guess you know I, I think where. This is, uh, you know, this podcast is kind of a journey. You know, um, Carson well, no, <laughs> and I are <laughs> we we we're, we're 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 trying to find out how to properly articulate that that problem, right? Of you know, and and um, part of it is, you know, we I think, and this is something that like I think most artists would agree with is there is a some responsibility to try and reflect reality through art. Um, but mm-hmm. also that sh- that's not the sole, you know, responsibility. So, you know, yeah, if, I mean, Napoleon, the legend puts out tracks about like going out and having a good time and, and, you know, meeting up with, uh, potential f- future partners. Right. Uh, and just because you make that movie, like, Oh, that's not, he didn't say anything about the proletariat in this track, you know, like that's <laughs> it. Right. Um, but but also yeah, yeah. just you know just reaching out and being able to engage <laughs> with artists about the things that we find important and hoping that that will then reflect into more art that we enjoy. I think that's kind of like the one thing that we we really settled on. Yo, so uh, one more. Uh, I mean, like uh, I I really uh, I don't know, Matt, Matt, if you're trying to say something because uh, we couldn't hear you. But uh, if I could just interject. Um, David, the thing that you were saying about uh, structurally, how do we go about it? I think like uh, two things. One is the is the fact that uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign uh, really had this, uh, as as Matt pointed out earlier, like the, all of the bands that came out. It's pretty crazy that uh, th- this didn't become a an army unto itself. Like all of these artists, I feel like, especially with Bernie as the connecting thread, could easily have, I feel like, uh, had no structural apparatus through which they could. Uh, you know, uh, network and like be a a, a force uh, together, collectively, collectivize 
uh, in some way, in a meaningful way, so that they can actually, um, you know, be an alternative to the mainstream rather than saying these are the mainstream artists who supported Bernie um, and so on. And secondly, I think like that kind of brings us to the question of even these artists, like including Napoleon, the legend, um, are uh, whom we have a very great uh, clip, by the way, that uh, we want to play uh, of his appearance on Michael Brooks' show. Um, that's one of the things about Colin that's that's pretty cool. Um, is uh, that it's left up to the individual artist to be in a, an entrepreneurial sort of figure who who like you know try to go on these shows and so on um, rather than like having a a sort of collective understanding that like you know this is how so for, I mean like I guess like as an open question like how do we uh, even make sure that there is a, a popular listenership to these artists uh, among socialists. I think that's like a, an open question that we need to work out before uh, we uh, like kind of try to think of a, a step before building a con- counterculture. And, and yeah, like, like, think, um, like, sorry to be the Marxist here, but like you got to think about like the material. So you can't, couldn't oh, hear. Am I, coming, am I coming through bad? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go, go, go ahead. Repeat what you just said. Okay, so I was just saying, sorry to, you know, be too much of the Marxist here, but, like, you got to think about what the working reality is for artists, too. Like, you know, Austin has always been a city that's really famous for having a great live music scene, um, but opportunities now are, like, really dwindling for artists, which you think wouldn't be the case with a city with a growing population, but because, like, there's so many artists here, um, clubs have the ability to basically pit workers against each other. And they give them really bad payouts for their shows, right? So, you know, you can go, you could, you know, if you're a band from Dallas, you, why drive down to Austin um, when you're probably going to make $100 for a live show versus maybe going somewhere else where you could make a, a couple more bucks and maybe not have to spend as, as much uh, gas, right? And it's just like, I, I'm, what I'm saying is that, like, you have to, we also have to remember, too, that, like, you know, these are, these are workers and, like, the conditions for that work is only deteriorating as like, you know, streaming services become start dominating and a lot of clubs become unwilling uh, to, uh, you know, to pay out fairly uh, musicians. I mean, it's just for my friends who, you know, do that for a living here. That's the number one complaint I get from them is that like, you know, 15 years ago, I could make money playing shows Friday, Saturday night and, you know, travel maybe once or twice during the week. But that's starting to dry up. Um, and like that's a real like direct impediment, I think, uh, that, that we should take seriously um so like yeah you know there's the general relationship with the artists and then also like to support them not just by us buying their t-shirts and stuff but also building like working to fight for those conditions that um you know are starting to yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I mean another industry mm-hmm. has been hot people like like red um yeah and if yeah. you just give, if, if all of a sudden, they, it's difficult. I mean, actually, because I never really failed to capitalize th- this amount. And it's like, well, maybe we could have, um, so it's it's hard to know exactly what happened was good. And- yeah, and I, I mean, I agree 100% with, uh, you know, like, with, with uh, David, your point. Um, and, you know, a conversation we had actually earlier this week um, was uh, with uh, <laughs> a, a friend of the show, uh, Ben, who started, he created the, uh, this, you know, with other, you know, artists, they created this thing called shared records. Um, and it was basically kind of just like a, a way to group source the work of, you know, what, you know, just some of the, you know, admin work, but then also like cre- kind of like creating a commons for artists to just, you know, put out music and, 
you know, the utilizing like Patreon, YouTube, some other things to try and, you know, kind of just like help grow and then build over time. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's like, these are all like, you're like scrapping and clawing at, you know, um, yeah, for scraps, right? They're just uh, trying to, to 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 claw for scraps, but um, I think yeah, as as you know, like as we kind of even, like have these conversations, and we try and you know organize around you know uh, actually be like making these the, these things happen in, like in in real life of having concerts and everything like that. That's like pretty much the next phase of it because you know like talking with a bunch of artists, the the online sphere is what's allowed. Um, a lot of artists to be able to, you know, like many, you know, YouTubers, podcasters, whatever, you get enough of your audience that's dedicated and you can, and you can make it right. You get enough people who are generous, generous, generous with five bucks a month, you know, like you can, you can supplement your art with that. Um, and that's where like Napoleon, the legend is. We talk with a lot of artists that do have nine to five jobs, you know, some guys like a computer programmer we talked to teachers you know mariah parker he actually is a city council you know so like that's also too like one of the things that they are working artists uh currently um so yeah i think overall it's like that getting the engagement for people who are doing the work and then trying to find ways to actually establish an avenue for and not just for artists that are already popular or already pretty professional to become more popular but how do you get the person who's kind of interested in country music to find, you know, another guitarist, you know, and a drummer, mm-hmm. you know, and all of those things um, that are also likely to get along ideologically, which could make things, you know, the relationship a little bit smoother. Um, but I did, I did want to, you know, this is Colin. They got all the fancy bells and whistles. Um, we do have a caller who's been on for waiting for a while. So D we're going to try and bring you in here. The, Unmute is in the bottom right, and we'll see if you come in. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think when you talk about, you know, like, the issues structurally with creating a avenue or a, um, yeah, an avenue for artists to, to, to actually, like, make music and play music and so that other people can be entertained and enjoy the music, um, that's something that I think, like, very much should be part of like the building blocks of understanding that like, yeah, with, with housing and food um, and healthcare self-expression is, I mean, I think tied to healthcare. I think it's tied to mental totally. health, right? You know, so like, um, with, you know, like, with, <laughs> even with that sense, to create a space for it. Um, and I, you know, like I think of the, um, the people's uh is it what's the one in new york and manolo runs karthik um people's forum people's you know, forum is, yeah yeah you know it's basically just a space for you know artists to come and, and they can also do uh some some teaching on as far as uh um theory organizing all those things um so part of it is just like trying to create a physical space where people can come you know and live and and play music or do art um, because that's just not the case. You know, it's, you know, whether it's buying instruments or X, Y, and Z. Like it's social like space. Cool, yeah. It's like a yeah. co-working space for uh, revolutionary politics seems uh, kind of like, it's a pretty good space. It's a pretty great space. Uh, D, are you, uh, are you able to speak? Yes. Yeah, I can speak. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for calling in. It's going great. How are you doing? 
Good. Yep. Yeah, I've just you. been listening to the conversation about uh, the, uh, you know, in the spirit of uh, kind of the Michael Brooks show and everything. And I think the left, um, to have a good counterculture, needs to be able to learn some of the, uh, not just be able to learn, not in a, like, we need to, like, sympathize with Tucker Carlson, like, types that some people on the left think, but just learn some of the lessons that um, conservatives are able to exploit. Um, because sometimes on the left, I see us just, like, mocking sort of like when Jordan, Jordan Peterson will give like a lecture to a young man and we mock it because it's stupid and it, he's stupid. But sometimes it's like, there's not, there's not a, to me, sometimes thoughtful response of like, what are we going to do by some of these uh, men who are, you know, mostly white men who are, who are young men who are dispossessed, um, you know, and are going down these dark rapid holes. And how do we like, like, even with something like masculinity, how do we, um, you know, talk about having a positive, non, um, non-toxic or non, you know, Jordan Peterson form of masculinity while still acknowledging that, you know, and there are different like forms in which, in which we can do that. Um, because sometimes I see this temptation to just mock, mock people and just say, well, you know, those are the stupid conservatives. And it's like, even someone like a Jordan Peterson has like a very wide appeal to even like scarily, like some of my, uh, you know, more, liberal friends. So like, I, I, I think that would be my idea in terms of forming a left counterculture is, is, um, you know, seeing some of the under, seeing the things that the right's able to exploit and being able to exploit those things to our advantage. Does that make sense? I'll just say, I mean, we absolutely did. Uh, mockery is worth mockery is an important message for somebody like Jordan. Yeah, but definitely what you're saying. Um, and I'm reminded of, um, and that's the main thing to control your life a little bit better. But you know, that, that's how you do it. You have to. Um, it's, it's, and like, um, you know, one of the things like with Peterson in general is that like, first of all, like I think cleaning your room is like pretty good advice. I think most of y'all should take a second after this and <laughs> clean your room. I probably need to do the same thing myself. Like, you know, the, the stuff that Peterson draws folks in with, right, is this speaking to like the mass alienation that people feel in society, not only from society at large, but also with themselves and their image of themselves, because the system is extremely alienating society, like social space has been completely commodified and destroyed in this country. Um, and, and I think recognizing that like, there's a lot of the appeal of, of Peterson is like the guy who's going to give you the hard talk to get your life on track. And, you know, I, I, that was one thing that we talked with a lot with Michael, like, you know, um, you know, I grew up without a father in the home. And, uh, you know, when I became, you know, a young man, I had to learn how to shave. And uh, what did I do being, you know, of our generation, I went online to learn how to do it. And I checked out that website a couple years later, just out of curiosity. And it's just like the most horrible right wing, you know, dribble you can imagine. But the fact is, like, they're out there because they recognize that there's a lot of alienation. And um, I, I think, uh you know, understanding that it's important for us to build something that counters it. And two, I think that the left needs to not shy away from like ambition and like the idea of like achieving, you know, like personal greatness and improving oneself, right? Not the self-help nonsense, um, but like yeah. role models. Like I know you all did an episode earlier on about Paul Robeson. I mean, I think Paul Robeson is like a perfect example to sort of throw up um, against, you know, Jordan Peterson's idea of like a great person or a great man. You know, this is somebody who was exceptional in so many different ways and also was a committed leftist. Right. And I, I think we need to get a little bit more comfortable um, with promoting like, uh, you know, an idea that like, 
you know, working on yourself is an important thing. Educating yourself is an important thing. Take care of yourself is an important thing. Um, you know, specifically to counter like the Jordan Petersons of the world, because, you know, we have like a very positive project, socialist. Like we're saying that this world is bad, but it doesn't just end there, that we can actually create like a very nice society for us all to live in if we can just overcome these hurdles and they're big hurdles. But the, the point is that like, this is an extremely optimistic philosophy. And I think that we miss that sometimes because we get focused on the critique and the critique is deadly important. Um, but you know, we also have to remember that like, there is something on the other side that we're fighting for and that's inspiring. Um, and, and not give that space over to the Jordan Petersons who aren't offering anything. I mean, Jordan Peterson, frankly, his advice to people is to be a coward, right? When he says you can't criticize the world until your life is perfect. I mean, that's the most cowardly servile mentality out there. And I think we can offer something that's a lot more appealing to folks. Yeah. And this is something for me, I'm going to, you know, start out with, with the mockery. Um, because I do find it interesting, you know, like that I'm a Marine Corps veteran and, you know, uh, you know, physically <laughs> kind of a big guy. Um, and so these, like these, like, I guess, classical masculine tropes, um, you know, I, I fit a lot of those. Um, but yet I'm a snowflake, you know, because I have this general care for like all human beings, all beings in general. Um, but then you got Jordan Peterson, he's like, it seems to me he spends more time crying, you know, than, than, than anything else. And then like Ben Shapiro is like, I mean, it's like four feet fucking tall and he buys up one piece of wood from Home Depot and he's got it in a plastic bag. You know, like th- th- there's that, that is like, doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Um, and it's actually like, but it, I guess it just points to how desperate people are to get some type of validation um, or, you know, or, or something. Um, but no, yeah. yeah at and the end of the day, I, you see like a, when you see a normal guy, like buy it, like a guy that's more manly. Though. Yeah. Like, yeah. I listen to man. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and, and I mean, Crowder is such a sickly little boy, you know, I, like, like, I don't know where, like, but the thing is true. And like, and, and what, what Dave said, we have a, 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 you know, a positive, uh, um, program. We've got, you know, uh, positive ambition. It's also extremely difficult. You know, this is the thing is that it's going to be hard work to get uh, a national high-speed rail system. It's going to be a lot of hard work to actually get a healthcare apparatus that delivers healthcare to every single body, right? And that's going beyond a Medicare for all. It's going to take a lot of hard work to to, to, to redo the electric grid and all of these things. There's but it's just not exclusively masculine, you know? Um, so there's that, like, at some point, yes, you, they like the, the uh, addressing of concerns, but it's always got to be on our, on our terms. Um, and I, you know, like, I think, you know, as, as, as you know, he's making a Zizek point of, you got to be, yes, be able to put it in our terms to explain it. Um, and not, you know, give into like the, just like the tropes that, cause a lot of it will eventually get into like, you know, women stay in the home and do certain things, um, yeah. which we can't, we can't allow. Or even right? like, or even, and I just want to say this, or even like, I've noticed that even with like, and this is really like, cause I've had like, I mean, I'm in my mid twenties, but like, you know, in college you have guys that are like, um, sometimes it's not even, I don't even think sometimes it's even like hatred or reactionary. Sometimes it's like a self-loathing because what happens even with like, 
you'll have like the, and you had them like really back in the day, but like you'd have these like pickup artist dating coaches and they'd be like, you, you don't, you don't get any dates and, and you don't have any solutions. And I'm going to give you solutions to deal with the opposite sex and women. And you would have all these reactionaries kind of what like Peterson, the evolving of, and then the left sometimes would be like, well, just, you know, just, be yourself and it will work out and, you know, just dismissing it instead of saying, well, these are things actually where you can actually improve without, you know, buying into these toxic ideals. And I think it's, I think the critique is important for sure of critiquing like, you know, problematic natures of society. But I also think it's important to kind of at sometimes like live in, live in reality, you know, like if you can critique, like even with uh, like the guy who's running in my camp, in my uh, state, Pennsylvania, Fetterman, I can critique the idea that him being a big man means that people are going to see him as more of a kind of leader of a politician. But I can understand the reality that him looking the way he does is probably going to help him, you know, in terms of how people view him, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, it's David, David brought up Paul Robeson, and it's, I, I, I often wonder, would he be Paul Robeson if he wasn't? six six and had a voice like like god you know um there are just aspects to him that like holy shit this is just a you know like a physically great man um and then you know human beings just extrapolate from there i uh, i think like uh, one of the things that are at odds with uh especially uh the conversation around uh, how to harness the you know, the alienation, uh, the, the way that the right wing ali- uh, harnesses alienation is that like uh, a left project does not um, amply or like does not offer the, the, the kind of structural framework to focus on oneself in a way that transcends like revolutionary organizing, uh, which which is one of the reasons why, like, I mean, that try to bring it back to the conversation around art, uh, which is the reason why, like, uh, everything that we talk about in, in the, the left uh, podcasting sphere, which I really do consider a... Uh, form of counterculture, at least. I don't know. Uh, not everybody is a part of it, but everybody who's a part of it speaks a particular vernacular almost um, and, and have their own uh, respective uh, people that they tune into, uh, the ideas that they, those people talk, and it's, it's almost like its own language. Um, and, and given that, like, it doesn't uh, really transcend in, uh, to translate into a way to transcend oneself into, be, into being a a better version of themselves or anything like that, but but to be a person who will fight for uh, a particular aim or a particular goal and uh, it's like basically social progress. It's not like an individual progress. And that's like something that's at odds with uh, um, the concept of being a socialist itself, which uh, I think like this is the space where art, I feel like, could have a, a significant presence because artists are all about individual expression and, and uh, uh, self-development and like especially uh, talking about uh, your own alienation in a creative way. And this is something that I feel like we have won over the uh, one over the right because the right wing. I, I honestly don't know um, when the last time there was a trailblazing, groundbreaking right-wing artist because for all the talk about self-improvement and all of that, there isn't a compelling enough like artistic right-wing narrative. And yet there are so many 
Uh, I mean, like, unless you argue that, like, the, the entirety of mainstream culture itself is a right-wing culture that focuses on individual uh, development and uh, and all of that. Like, but it's it's not about individual development there. It's about um, personal enrichment and, uh, you know, how you are the best and, like, a certain level of narcissism and so on. Uh, but, like, we, I feel like, have a, a, a lot of opportunity to uh, center a left-wing um artistic voice that can actually articulate a, a form of self-improvement uh, that involves a necessary work in the community because you don't feel fulfilled unless you actually work in the community. Um, and like, I think that an artist like Napoleon, the legend definitely does do that. Uh, um, and David, I like, uh, you can, you can say what you want to say after this, but we do want to play uh, the clip that we have of uh Napoleon the legend on Michael Brooks's show which I think really touches on this because it's not it's not just about like speaking uh you know uh, political slogans and stuff like that but it's also about like speaking from your own experience and how political organizing or like improving your politics actually improved you and like liberated you and gave meaning to your life uh, and I think that this exchange between Michael and uh, Napoleon really illustrates that I was informed through rap. I used to listen to like X Clan. Sometimes I used to listen to the Wu Tang Clan. They used to tell me things. I used to look them up. Right. And it's kind of like I do fun rap too. I do Afrobeat too. But I like to talk about certain issues of the day. Right. Oh, in my music. Yeah, yeah. And but in a way that is very because I've actually mostly like I always used to joke like I would like people to like hey there's this really good uh, political rapper and I was right. like look. I like rap that is about killing people, right, right, selling right, drugs, right. and objectifying women. I do not want to hear whatever, like nice, conscious, whatever you're talking about. And that's mostly because a lot of that, a lot of that though, is so self-consciously conscious, right? That it just, you know, it's just to me, it's like art isn't necessarily the most fun vehicle for that. But that's not what you're doing at all. It just so happens to be like. That is what you read about. That is what you think about. Right. That is who you are. So it just comes across. Yeah, like you know, you could be, describe it that way, but I feel like it's very natural. That's yeah, why it works so. It well. has to be flavorful and dope. It's not. I don't. I don't read a book and then write a rhyme. Right. You know. what I mean, I'm surprised at the things that come out sometimes. Like the notions or the, or, or the things that I'm dropping. It just comes naturally. It's it's in my psyche, so it, it just comes out in the rhyme. But it's not. I never force it. I'm not like. I'm not trying to tell you how to live and things like that. I'm just. I'm just trying to be nice with it. Although, when is the Lula song coming out? Oh man! <laughs> whenever I get, whenever I get, whenever I get my boy Rod Shallow to to, to to do something with me or something like Are you that. Serious? I need, I need, if I need. You I can need, get I need him. Man. By the way, that's a great reggae artist. If you could get him to do a Lula song, that would that would be nice. I, I would need, I would need somebody of that yes. caliber to really do it justice. You know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I just like really loved uh, Michael Brooks. Hearing Michael Brooks say that because you know it's it's always like nice to, I mean, commemorate uh, that moment. And I, I I think Matt, you were actually on that show. I think I hear you uh, in that video a little earlier. I don't know, David. Were you? I was there. I I came in episode five, so I was there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny how much people should know. Europe. It's, it's yeah. Insane. Yeah, which and that's something that like and uh, what's weird too is like I had like almost the exact same conversation uh, <laughs> with Napoleon. And this was like, uh, you know, like a few months ago. And cause I had just noticed it was like, you know, he puts out so many albums and it was like four or five albums. Um, he puts out in between like us talking. And I was like, 
you don't, you know, like it seems like you're, you know, like mentioning some type of issue from like the climate crisis in almost every song. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not being lame with it. This is just what's happening. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so, and that's where it's like, yeah, where, you know, the artist can reflect reality. um, And it's going to be real as long as it's real. And so that's where, yeah, you can't, there's not, if there's someone that just starts rapping or singing about like the, 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 over overflow of the, like the USA with the socialist revolution and shit like that, it's gonna fall flat because it's it's not it's not happening right now. Mm-hmm. Well, also I just want to say like if you needed any kind of inspiring figure like we were talking about earlier, like Napoleon's work ethic, it's probably one of the most impressive in the industry. I feel like he's dropping an album every other week. Yeah, like the, the, the it, dude works. Like, like Lord Byron's mm-hmm. poem is all about Moby Dick about that, but that stuff is artistic there is definite art like i can think of a I shit mean, talk. kid rock. i mean clint okay. yeah okay kid. Fair enough. but who actually like anyone who has like artistic merit i mean like the best one i could think of is clint eastwood i think his movies are great he's certainly on the right wing mm. um yeah. right, right, right. but even he doesn't fit in with the right wing I'm, y'all remember that chair thing he did at the gop convention a while ago where he yelled at a chair that was supposed to be obama right yeah, yeah. and it was just it was it was a funny thing <laughs> we should lose them for it he was ahead of his time. But, but no, but at the same time, it was like, it's so funny because even there, it like completely failed because like Clint Eastwood might be a conservative, but Clint Eastwood as an artist is like too beyond like the mainstream conservative movement to even like perform for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's such an abstract artistic concept to do. And like, it doesn't fit in with the mainstream conservative movement. It's like, yeah, yeah. All that gun oil couldn't suppress the nerd theater kid. That wanted yeah, to have exactly. his own have his own monologue with an empty chair. <laughs> oh man! But I feel like though that like that's something that uh, is kind of interesting. Like when you look at the right, it's like there's no there's no big time, you know. Like in, at least it's like it's hard to find you know major you know artists or celebrities celebrities that are on the right. But the right is adamant about having its own culture, and especially when it comes to comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, now that they're like, no, it has to be this. It has to say, you know, if you don't fit, build a wall. And then, like the one, you know, I identify as attack helicopter joke. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to listen. And yeah, I, I don't know. You know, like I don't know how like well, you even break people out of that type of thing. Because I I want um I want to see like Shapiro because we all know yeah and a lot of these guys yeah yeah well it's Candace Owens and I think uh, it was a Lauren <laughs> Lauren Boebert were both like actually like like were at like conservative castingcall dot com or some shit like that um yeah and, a lot and, of people a lot of people the woman who was oh you're talking about the drunk girl yeah. oh man wow. So uh, speaking of comedy and like, you know, Hollywood and all of that, like, I feel like the creation of liberal culture itself, you could argue. um, I mean, of course, we had like a music industry and uh, a robust uh, film industry even before the advent of network television. But uh, much of the present day, uh, whatever we consider popular culture is essentially what's on TV. And uh, a lot of especially stand up comedy as an art form, like comes to mind uh, as something that did not that virtually did not exist. And it was created through like uh, 
a lot of the uh, appearances on uh, you know the Johnny Carson show, Dick Cavett show, and and stuff like that. Uh, and then David Letterman carried that uh, onward. Um, and like these were all just people like bringing in people that they knew uh, in reality that they thought were entertaining, uh, and therefore they had them on these talk shows and stuff like that. Um, and that brings me to the question of uh, I mean like uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I really do think of the podcasting space on the left as a form of countercultural at least uh base uh where there is an audience and there's there are these platforms and uh i feel like there could be potential for uh, artists to kind of emerge out of this um except like you know um that right now we're having these conversations and that's why like i feel like it's really commendable that michael brooks and like majority report has had uh napoleon the legend on as well um and so so has nomiki's show um, and I and I wonder if like that could be like there could be a space for um, artists such as like comedians. So many comedians who have emerged from Jake Flores also comes to mind. Uh, we had him on uh, a little earlier to talk about George Carlin, um, and uh, a lot of the the Chapo Trap House had a bunch of comedians that uh, came out of that as well, like Stav. Uh, and 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 so on. Uh, so I, I kind of wonder. I mean, right now we informally do have a sort of space where uh, a lot of artists are emerging uh, out of the podcasting space, which is kind of serving as a as a countercultural ecosystem. Um, and I wonder if there if there could be a way that this could be solidified and uh, and you know like uh, we could start like churning out like how the Letterman's of the world and the Colbert's of the world would uh, you know put out comedians and uh, you know parade around celebrities. Uh, who would, uh, you know, say nothing? Like basically, what they had for food that night. Like, and and that would that's supposed to be entertainment. Here we could be talking about so many. Like Napoleon sits and talks about his creative process and how he, uh, you know, weaves in politics into his art, and it's so fascinating to hear that. Uh, so I wonder if like that could be a, a sort of breeding ground for uh, a new uh, generation of artists. Well, I'll just say this right now. Um on left reckoning we're working on doing some stuff where i've been wanting to get like bluegrass country and like folk singers that i know and listen to who are left wing on the show you know to talk about their politics and and their music we're working on that a little slowly just because i'd be too embarrassed if any of them say no to go and see them live um but no i do think that that's like a important uh you know can, can be a very important place to introduce folks who might be predisposed to other people's art and um i mean like this isn't political but like like the alternative like country music scene um you know always has a little bit of a difficulty with marketing as you would expect and there's some really great youtube channels like western af um you know that they they produce like high quality music videos for you know up and coming smaller artists and it's a really just great like music resource for me because you know, you see a cool video and then you check out all of their other music and it's sort of like the music is diverse. And I mean, it's all like country, et cetera, but like, you know, it's not, doesn't all sound the same, but it's a place that I know I can go and I can get introduced to new things. That's going to be a lot better than, you know, Spotify recommendations or something like that. Right. So I, I do think, especially with music and comedy too, um, that, that there, there certainly can be a space to more proactively build that for sure. Letterman um, cultivatedly. I mean, I know that's. Well, I, I, I saw the strokes because uh, there was a a Bernie event afterwards. So um, <laughs> I don't know if that's the same thing. Yeah, I think, uh, David, you had a pretty great uh, track that we wanted to play uh, by this uh, band called, 
the the song is but I caught the song caught my attention. I kind of forgot the name of the band. This this so this happened so many times. Yeah. Uh, I'm broke. Uh, yeah, by Crow and the Boys. Crow and the Boys. Yeah, let's let's hear let's hear a, a snippet from it. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it's pretty great. Well, I'm a full-grown man. Hi, how can I help you? The cheese costs extra on the number three special. Well, the customer said I was rude. I should smile more and lose the attitude. Huh. I only had one finger to give. I ain't asking for much. I'm just trying to live. Besides, that job was minimum wage. 80 hours a week. The bills still weren't paid and I'm broke. I ain't joking. I'm bummed. Cause I'm slumming. I'm down. And I'm drowning. And there ain't nobody that let me hang. first heard it i thought that it was like an older song but it's like from 2019 uh, 2015 or something like that and it's uh it's pretty wild is this from the scene that you were talking about a little earlier oh totally i mean crow and the boys um are just a phenomenal band in in general and like i didn't even have to like filter for songs for that <laughs> i just sort of picked one from one of their albums because they're all you know they're political but they're political in in the way that they're like really rooting like working class um experience in them and like going to those shows in austin is so much fun because they'll go up and they'll start roasting like all the tech guys and rich people who are sort of moving into austin um and yeah i mean like just some other hits from them like they do a lot of like covers of like punk bands um but you know they they switch it and make it country like there's a, another song um on that album uh not on the album actually but it's a single but uh called uh, do they owe us to a living you can watch a great youtube video of that too and it's, that's a cover of a crass song which is like this 1980s like british like anarchist punk band and um i mean i've i've always liked uh Corey and the boys since they've you know sort of come across my uh my radar but i mean they uh they they make I think they they make good music on its own merits and then they also really imbue it with uh a working class perspective which by the way is like very rooted in like country music in general and it's been sort of pushed out like the the working class like imagery you get in a lot of country music especially on the radio right now it's like symbolism of like oh I drive a pickup truck versus like no I like work for a living and it's getting more and more difficult to feed my family and take care of each other Um I also love that that song too because um that last bit about <laughs> people acting like it's all his fault um like he benefited from the NAFTA deal right I think really speaks to um uh, you know some a lot of working uh, class people feel and like yeah I mean like that's just a a a band that I really in, enjoy seeing around here and they you know they build off of like uh older um you know tradition in country music which was like you know you're being a troubadour for forgotten and working people and you're sort of celebrating that life but also mentioning how difficult it is and hoping that maybe we can do something about it. Um yeah, I mean for me that's just the uh, um 
you know, they're, they're a lot of, they're just a hell of a lot of fun. And like going to shows here in Austin, is always a good time, uh, you know, seeing those guys live. Yeah, one of the things that you said about like, uh, you know, working class uh, music, uh, that's, that's something that we've talked about a, a bunch of times uh, is how th- there is a surge in uh, union activity um, and how union rallies and, uh, you know, strikes and organizing drives and things like that are also spaces where people gather and like uh, there is uh, a lot of potential. I wonder if there is a potential to actually have artists perform at these places and, uh, you know, have that be uh, a sort of catalyst for uh, uh, a form of popularity and notoriety in the, in the present day. And instead of just like um, relying on the usual channels of uh, booking venues and, and stuff like that, um, that, that comes to mind, uh, especially one of our examples of uh, Maria Parker, whom we've had on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they recently just performed at uh, the AFL-CIO convention um, and uh, Labor Notes is happening this week. I wonder if there's like any artist who's playing there. And uh, and I know Maria Parker plays a lot of such uh, gatherings. And uh, I, I know Napoleon must have done a couple as well. Like So I wonder if like artists could also play those types of crowds. Well, you know, this actually... Oh, go ahead, dude. Oh, no, I just wanted to shout out, like, you know, folks like Lee Baines, you know, was showing up at the um, Warrior Met Coal Strike, which has now gone on for over a year. You know, they've done big, you know, kind of uh, rallies with music and barbecue and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that that's phenomenal, a great way to show solidarity and sort of root folks in things. And, yeah, I mean, also, like, you know, showing that the community supports you and also doing it in a a way that sort of speaks to the, the culture and the people that you're trying to reach, too, right? Yeah, and actually, this uh, reminds me of um, something that actually Jason from This Is Revolution was talking about, this band that, uh, how they're able to make it big. They converted uh, one of those, like, uh, shorter school buses into, like, a mobile concert venue, right? So, like, basically, mm-hmm. like, they, you know, they'd store all the gear, they'd pull up outside of a more famous show that has a whole line, you know, out the door and play a concert while they're waiting in line. Um, you know, and eventually they like someone, you know, and like they keep do that enough, and then you know they end up you know getting a contract or whatever. Uh, but like that's kind of thing of like uh, you know, like that's a step. I think that's you know, like that's something that could be done as far as just you know every time that there is a strike, um, there's going to be some entertainment, you know, and that's not something on the union, you know, that's something on the community supporting the union, um, and even. You know, I was at uh, was it the LG or uh, Nabisco Strikers. Um, oh man, I can't forget the TGM something. MTG, I can't remember what the, which the unit is. Um, but usually the bakers, the confectioners uh, uh, union. There was someone there that had this. You know, they had a stereo. They're playing music, and then they had to go home, and they took their stereo, and like the vibe shift as like going down. You know, <laughs> just. It was you could feel it, and just having a little bit of music, it makes it a whole lot better. Um, and I mean, we were sweating our asses off walking around like the Virginia heat and during the summer. Um, but that's something where, like, yeah, it could not only make it a little bit more bearable for people on the picket line, um, but it actually enhances the environment. Um, and if it's actually good music and live music, it can enhance the environment by a lot. Like that, and have musicians. Yes, indeed. Um, and I want to open it up to see if we have any more callers I want to ask a question. Um, but uh, I think we might be wrapping it up 
uh, here soon. Uh, but Karthik, I don't know if you have anything more. Yeah, uh, I mean, like the, even the thing that uh, we're, we're probably, I mean, that's going to be our outro song, uh, the song that Matt shared, uh, which is like a, a kind of, I mean, genre-wise, it's it's pretty, it's it's a retro-sounding song. So I thought that it was actually from a uh, long time ago, but it's actually from 2019. And I always like wonder, you know, and this is kind of like, uh, I mean, I I write poems and I and I try to do. Uh, Try, try to play music and stuff like that too. So I wondered if the Bernie campaign could have actually been like a, a sort of uh, a watershed moment for independent artists and like uh, just uh, tons of artists bur- bursting out of the, on the scene. And I think that like we actually have a more structural impediment to uh, such a culture being established. And it's like really, uh, I think, uh, important to talk about like the ways in which we can actually break these structural impediments where it's like unfortunately so that like only individual artists can really make an impact nowadays like and you can't really like collectivize for shit like there's really no way for artists to come together other than like you know if you want to play these huge festivals and like the festival scene is like so i mean like festivals are like the the worst especially if you talk to jason from this is a revolution it's one of the most illuminating conversations that we've ever had where uh he points out how festivals are like just the worst way to go about uh doing anything to do with music and uh that kind of like brings us to the question of like how are what is what are the nuts and bolts of this thing gonna look like and it's yeah i i think that like you know this conversation at least like with with you two we wanted to initiate especially david because uh you are a musician yourself and you and you dabble a lot with uh, music you've interviewed uh, musicians before and we wanted to get your takes on this uh so yeah um well I mean, we mentioned uh, Left Reckoning and plenty of times. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you know, like else you guys want to plug, uh, or you know, where can where can the crowd find you? Even though, like, this is the crowd that uh, Matt raids into my channel every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Left Reckoning. I- yeah, I mean, I have a piece in Sublation Media. If people want to check that out on uh, Governor Greg Abbott here in Texas. And the way that he's actually used COVID-19 by blocking any action on it to uh, secure tremendous amounts of, of power in Texas that actually go against uh, the letter of the law and the state constitution of Texas. And it's just a story that I think a lot of people are missing is actually how, um, you know, people talk a lot about like maybe Democratic governors and mayors sort of overstepping their bounds on COVID when it comes to, you know, personal individual rights. Um, but it's interesting to look at how the right wing has actually used this to cement power for themselves. So if you're interested in that, check out Sublation uh, Magazine. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if you're going to make it for the, uh, the Sublation launch at the end of the month. Um, but I'm looking to make it up there. So yeah, check out Sublation Media. Um, they, kind of uh, project coming out of Doug Lane um, and a lot of other contributors like David here. But um, yeah, we're going to play, play you guys out with a little bit of music, but thank you so much, uh, Matt and David for coming on. Um, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back Wednesday uh, at eight for the next revolutionary tracks. And we are out. Johnny Normal got a job, a mortgage and a motor Claimed his dad was Dylan and he came from Minnesota 
Wakanda generation of smiling hippie tossers who shave their beards and trim their hair but fail to cut their losses. It's no go for live aid, it's no go the wagons. All we want is crystals and our dungeons and our dragons. Darren, Darren, Wayne and Shane, Kylie, Kevin, Jason, beat a blind man half to death with his own Alsatian. It's no go, your arty films, it's no go, your passion. All we want is a shopping mall and some pissy high street fashion. It's no go, Kinokio, and good night, Ronnie. So kiss goodbye with a lullaby and a strawberry flavoured Johnny. It's no go, humility, and no go, our nation. What we've got is a yuppie farm with superannuation. Sarah Septic lives in France and drives a Lamborghini Saves her whales with metaphors and claims that she's a greenie Old MacDonald had a farm, then he had another Then he had another and another and another It's no go the hospital, it's no go education All we want is a line of whiz on Piccadilly Station